What's up, guys? It's the Dirt Bike Channel Podcast. This is Kyle Brotherson here. It is a wonderful, blustery day here in Utah, and I have the man, the myth, the legend, Rich Larson with me. Rich, say hi, say hello to the people here. What's up, guys? I am stoked to be on again. Oh, man. This is my first repeat guest. Yeah. Like, Rich was the number one guest. He was the first guest I've ever had, which makes him the number one forever forever and ever so thank you so much for coming back on dude i am i am honored to be on again i gotta say before we start everything you've done man you're killing the game with obviously the youtube channel the instagram and now the podcast everything you put out you're you're you hammer down you're putting it out constantly dude i respect it so much and uh yeah man i am honored to be the first guest uh, and then the first repeat guest, and Absolutely. I'm back. I'm stoked to be back on. Well, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, and yeah. that's how I, that's how I look <laughs> at this. No, it, for me, it's just it's just about you know the daily grind and and just keep doing it. You know, I'm not the best at anything. I've never been the best at anything, but one thing I am is I'm consistent. Dude, 100. percent That's the name of the game with anything, whether it's social media, uh, you know, marketing, whatever you're pushing. If you just constantly do it. And, it, you know, and that goes for writing right there. It's all about just constantly doing it. It's all about putting in the time. There is natural talent and that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, man, hard work trumps it all. Yeah, it really does. I mean, if you're going to be like the utmost top of any profession, you have to have something different in your DNA that Big time. helps in that thing. But if you don't have the work ethic, you're not going to be there. Yep. I mean, I just even this 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 week, I was with the passing of Kobe Bryant, not to like sure. put a Debbie Downer no, on yeah, things, yeah. but like it really put it in perspective where, okay, that guy had some physical gifts, but the reason why he was who he was yep. is because no one outworked him. Right. The he, Mamba mentality, right? He worked harder than anyone else. And it's like a huge loss. And it makes me wonder how many other people out there are like a <laughs> yeah, Kobe Bryant man. or like a Graham Jarvis or like a, you know... Yeah, totally. Uh, Ricky Carmichael, but that that don't put in the effort and don't put in the time and that talent that they actually have got wasted. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there like that. You know, I, I, when you say Ricky Carmichael, that's one of those ones that, um, you know, I, I loved hearing the old stories of Ricky and how, you know, he came up and I remember, I remember watching the 99 season and he, that was his amateur season on the 250 and he, he like blew out his leg and he, you know, it was kind of a struggle. And then 2000, he got a couple of wins and then 2001, it was like, it was the, that was the change of the sport. It was like, Ricky's here, fun's over, you know, <laughs> it's no more hanging out in Havasu. Now it's straight up training work. all the time. And that changed the game changed the sport right yep 100 percent. and and it was all about how hard that dude worked <laughs> the guys jeremy mcgrath are like i'm glad i yeah. came just before yeah, exactly. you exactly because i don't know having a good time i don't know if i would have wanted to work as hard as you do now <laughs> and now you look at those supercross riders we're big we're big time supercross fans yeah, here at my house and i i look at the actual work that they have to put in and i'm like no no thank you oh like, dude it's it's unreal. I mean, you, you, just for me personally, you know, uh, you know, I chase. I'm going to chase the whole extreme enduro season uh, here in the United States, and you know, hopefully do Erisberg this year. I'm trying to you know do as much extreme stuff as I can, racing stuff as I can, as well as you know all the media stuff that I do as well. You know, I for me, I mean, I push so hard, and I want to be the best rider I can be, and s- to be as good as Cody or Colton or the best that the United States has to offer. I'm just like, I, I, I can't, I don't know how I don't have enough time. I need 36 hour days to be able to do that. 
Well, yeah, and, and you've got to have some support, you know, from from other people. Other That's entities. true. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I mean, you're a family man. You've got a wife. You've got yeah. you've got uh, obligations. You have health insurance that yeah. you have to you have to go out and work for, and it's it's a tough thing. But you know, you I've loved kind of watching your career from the sidelines, and and what I said before before we started recording is just that I think that you have a you have some potential that a lot of other writers don't have because of your passion for teaching. And how you get it, you're like, you know what, I'm okay with working hard. And, and I will, if I have a sponsor, or I bring on a sponsor, I'm totally okay with doing more for them than they do for me. Sure. Um, and I think that that is going to extend your career in this sport more so than, you know, the other guy who's like, oh, I just need to get mine. Yeah, man. You know, you know when, when you say the teaching side of things too, especially that, man, you know, for the sponsor thing, like I've always been that kind of guy like, okay, if you're going to support me, I'm going to, because I'm riding a dirt bike, right? So I get to ride a dirt bike. It's the raddest thing ever. It's, you know, for a job, that's pretty sweet to be able to ride a dirt bike for a job. I'm stoked about it. So if you're going to help me, uh, accomplish that, then I'm going to do 10 times as much for you than you're doing for me. That's the way that I've done it. And it's actually worked really well for me. Cause you know, now I'm making a living doing it, but a, a big thing. And, and you said, you specifically said teaching, right? I love teaching. It's really fun to me. It helps me as a writer too, because putting it into words, I see different people learn things in a different way. It helps me put it into words in my own mind. It helps me think about those specific things that I need to do when I'm writing, when I'm trying to, uh, you know, dial in a new technique, learning how to put them into words so people can understand them. Some people learn different from other people. So I have to, you know, adjust for each person, but in teaching, I want to, if you're going to come out, I mean, and I'll tell you right now, I, I do lessons here locally. I've been doing a lot of lessons lately and, uh, it's, re, you know, really easy. If you just hit me up on Instagram or, or whatever, rich Larson, five eleven, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly do a lesson for you. It's a hundred bucks. That's, that's my, that's my flat rate. It's way underpriced. And I, and that, I know, I know, I know. And that's where it goes back to that. Uh, you know, I will do 10 times for you, what you do for me. So if you pay me, you know, I'm going to give you a full day and I promise you will ride until you don't want to ride anymore. Is it a full day or is it just tell the people it's, can't ride that's anymore? That's what it is. Because that's because what I'm banking I, on. I spent a couple hours with Rich and I'm telling you, <laughs> okay, first off, it was the best hundred dollars I've ever spent in dirt bikes. Like that is straight up hands down. Dude, I've I ridden with, that. I've ridden with Graham Jarvis. I've ridden with Shane Watts. I've ridden with Rich. I've ridden with Max Gersten. I didn't pay Max. It wasn't a, it wasn't like a, wasn't sure. a training thing, but the point is, I, I've spent money before on training, and I've spent a lot of money in dirt bikes. Yeah, I spent one hundred dollars with you in the summer of you know last summer, yeah. and I need to do it again, and it actually changed my riding. Now it didn't transform my riding, but it changed how I ride. Right, and for a hundred dollars, nothing else has done that, dude. You know, just the one thing, like hey, if you don't, if you remember one thing, I'm going to show you how to get unstuck, and it's just these simple little things. Yeah, and and it's like hey. Every single time, just on, on Friday, three, four days ago, I was riding, I'm out testing the beta 300 and, uh, I've got it kind of stuck between two rocks and I'm like, what would rich do? Yeah, there you go. Rich would roll it back Dialed. two inches Dialed. or three inches yeah, yeah. and then get up over the thing, Dude, you know? I, so that, that is super high praise, man. I really, really appreciate that. And I, I hope that everybody that I teach, I can kind of, you know, do that same thing. I, I I try to make sure that everybody that comes out and rides with me, they have a good time. They learn something new. If, if even if it's just one thing, it's it's so rad. When I you know I've had a lot of new guys come out lately, and like 
when they come out and, and and they get into certain stuff and you know it's getting tough and and then I explain one thing just right and they, and I see it click in their in their mind it's like their eyes light up and they're like oh I see what you're saying it's working that feeling is is awesome to me I'm like I love I love teaching for that reason yeah and I would say that if you win because some of the people listening to this are going to actually hit rich up and take this training I know that yeah um, when you do that here's what I would suggest um, go in with a totally open mind just be a sponge and then after it's over you're gonna be you're gonna be sweating and you're gonna be exhausted what I would exact what I would ask you to do is go home and uh, or immediately maybe jot down some notes jot down some notes in something that won't get lost I have my notes in my note program and I'll go back and I'll review that while it's fresh just think about all the little things that he taught you and write that down because if you don't you will forget it and then in a month I want you to go back and review that and two months review that again because now you've just extended that hundred because you can literally go on some of these training rides and get nothing out of it sure I've, I've seen people do it before we were riding with freaking Graham Jarvis and, and he was showing us like, hey, do this, do this. And I watched a number of guys who had paid $800 just watch him do things. Is that, and so that, that's how much it is? I've never, I've never well, done it. Well, we did it. Yeah. We did it for two days. I mean, it was, okay, two it, it might have been 700. The point is, it was a, you know, we we're paying like over $300 a day to sure. ride with Graham and I watched people not even do, you know, and you were scared to do it or you didn't want to look bad in front of other people. That's one of the cool things about Rich's deal. And, and we'll stop plugging it here in just a second. But it was just so important because when you're with Rich, it's probably just him and you, maybe another guy. If you've got a buddy that wants to come with you, you know, if you're too, yeah. if you're, you know, you want to bring a guy with you and then he's teaching you both. But the point is it's these small groups and it really, really works. And if you'll take the time to, to write down some things afterwards, you'll get a lot out of yeah, it. Yeah, that's a that's a smart move for sure is writing down some extra uh some notes. And I, I usually at the end too I try to like kind of recap everything so it kind of stays in your mind and that would be a smart idea to write it down. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, hit me up Rich Larson 511. You can do Instagram, also my Gmail, richlarson511 at gmail.com. I'm down to do lessons anytime. Yeah. Uh, selfless plug, right? Thanks. So, yeah, so tell us about Red Bull Override in Texas. That was uh that was one of the last bigger races yeah. that you did cuz yeah. it's kind of like a little bit of the off season here yes. for hard enduro. So, yeah. how did the override go? And you were on sure we'll talk about this in a minute, but you were on you'd spent 5 days on the yeah. Sherco at that point. Yes. How did that go? So, I got my my Sherco got shipped to my house. I unboxed it, you know, put it all together, put the put the stuff on that I needed and uh yeah basically tested it for you know got it jetted in you know made sure it was you know kind of dialed and uh rode it for five days uh in those five days so i set my suspension you know to stock standard settings in your book uh, i set my sag you know for my weight went out and tested for maybe two days and then i adjusted the clickers a little bit i went a little bit softer on the clickers uh i think i added a little bit of rebound um you know Pretty simple stuff. Not, not, you know, nothing that uh, the the average guy can't do. Changed the little things and drove to let's see, twenty one hours to Texas, <laughs> and uh, yeah, set up for Red Bull Override. So Red Bull Override was a uh, six hour event. Um, Brutal. Yeah, six hour hard enduro. Uh, you know, it started at I think th yeah I think it started at two o'clock and went until eight o'clock at night. So there you was finished with lights. Yeah, night racing. Yeah, um, lights on the front, and then I had lights on my helmet. Uh, Task racing hooked me up with some lights. Luckily, so I I had a I had a good light set up on my helmet, and uh, yeah, so uh, went you know 
you know, you go into that. I, I've never raced that long before. Uh, the, I mean, I've rode six hours for sure, you know, go out and ride with your, but that's riding with your buddies. You know, you can take a break. Yeah. It's, it's more relaxed. I've never been at a race pace for six hours. Uh, we line up and, uh, yeah, head off. Cody Webb was there and he, uh, waved the check or the, uh, green flag. Cause he's still recovering. Yeah. Was still recovering from, from ACL. ACL. And, uh, yeah, dialed in the, dialed in the Sherco and raced for six hours. So during the race, um, I'll just give you a quick recap of it. Um, hammering down, you know, uh, I think I, I probably started in the top 15 and I worked my way up into the top 10. I was, I, I felt like I was riding really well. Um, you know, that's usually where I land in the, in these extreme enduros is, is I think in the United States, I'm a, I'm a top 10 rider and, and, um, that's where I've landed last year in the past. And I felt like that's where I was, you know, again, this is five days on the Sherco. So I'm like, okay, you know, kind of getting a feel, what better way to get a feel for the bike than yeah. race it for six hours. Oh my right? So I'm hammering down. I, I felt like I was riding really good. I got a little bit lost. Um, and you know, for like 20 minutes, right? Yeah. There, that? there was a, uh, there was a, just a, you know, I think somebody broke a, 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 you know, ribbon or something. I just went straight through it. And then it, when that happened, I went into just panic mode where I'm just like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm yelling and driving up and down the road, screaming like an idiot. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's embarrassing. I'm, I'm sure if anybody who knew me saw me, they'd be like, what's wrong with this guy? You know, I'm just, uh, what's going on? This is, you know, this is BS. I'm so mad, you know? And, uh, <laughs> finally kind of backtrack figure out where I make the mistake. It was for sure 20 minutes of me driving around. I mean, I probably lost my voice driving around screaming. And finally I backtracked, figured out where I was going, uh, hammering down. I knew I, I needed to make some passes. So I was pushing really hard, making a lot of passes, making a lot of passes, made a dumb little mistake, tipped over and broke my, uh, master cylinder on my clutch. Broke the master cylinder. Master cylinder. So it wasn't just so the perch. whole perch. The, so, oh uh, yeah, okay, the perch of the master cylinder. Sorry, I should have just said that. Uh, wow. So yeah, broke the perch off. So it wasn't like I could just like tighten it down, you know, it, or it broke right behind the master cylinder. So it was ruined. They use they use Brembo. Brembo, on that? yeah. It's okay. So yeah. it's a similar component to the Husky that we yes, were on. Exactly. Um. So I get going and um. You know, I, I, I'm trying to figure, I kind of didn't even know where I was either. And uh, I'm like, Texas. okay, I think, you're in Texas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything looks the same down there too. So I'm like, oh, I don't know where I am. Uh, I kind of put back to the, um, uh, you know, pit. I'm like, okay, well, I guess my six hour day is over in two hours, right? And I'm, so I'm really, really angry. And, you know, my wife's there and she's like, oh, you know, that sucks. And she's, you know, she doesn't really say much. And I'm like, you know, she can tell I'm just super pissed and I'm, I'm taking my gear off. You know, I, I, so uh, before, let me go back. I I walk over to Sherco and I'm like, Hey, do you guys have an extra master cylinder? We we don't have anything. I'm like, Oh shoot. What? Yeah. So I go back, check this out. I go back, I sit down taking my gear off and Mark Ikeda, IRC tire, right? So I work for IRC tire. This is our, this is, that's my main sponsor, right? IRC. We, we, we're going heavy on everything. And Mark Ikeda is there. He's the IRC, uh, USA, uh, uh, you know, general, you know, he's, he's the main guy of IRC in the, in the United States here. And, uh, he comes over and is like, dude, I got one. I got one. I'm like, what? And he's like, Sherco, one of the guys ran off he he got you a mouse interested. What put your gear back on? Put your my gear was off. Okay, and I'm like, oh, okay. So now I'm putting my my wet, you know, 
uh, sweaty slash creek bed gear back on. <laughs> I put my gear back on, and honestly, I wanted to quit. Like I was tired. Like it, it, one thing that happens, and you're so far behind now. Yeah, hundred percent. So what's one, the point? Exactly. Exactly. When you're in an extreme enduro too, like you're pushing your body to that the absolute maximum. You know, most extreme enduros are about two hours long, and and you know, d- depending on kind of what it is, it may be like a two hour heat the beginning of the day, two hour you know at the end. You know, it's but it's brutal. It, you know, yeah. it's 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 rough, and so you know. That you got you got demons in your head that want you to quit the whole entire time, uh, uh, for sure. Uh, I, for me personally, I don't know. Maybe maybe Cody's just like out there having a good time. You know, maybe the top Probably guys not. are just like whatever, man. This is easy easy money. But I, for I me, not. I'm I'm in misery. I'm like I hate this. I don't know why I'm doing this. You know why am I putting myself through this? You, you know. So so I. I I broke my bike and I was kind of stoked, you know, because it's an easy way out. Yeah. Now. But, but also I'm pressure's I'm, off. Exactly. Pressure you're, is off. You're, you're pissed off, but you're relieved. I, yeah, exactly. I can say, well, I broke my thing. There's nothing I can do about it. You know, <laughs> it's mechanicals are, are the easy way out always. And you know, I, I guess most guys, I don't know, maybe most guys, I, I don't know for me personally, I'm just, I'm looking for the way out cause it sucks, you know? <laughs> and uh, I, I love this candor. Like this is you. You only get this with Rich. It's like I was glad that it broke because now my day was over. <laughs> right. But at the same time, you're super. Yeah, frustrated. I, I am super mad. I mean, the biggest thing is I look at. I drove 21 hours to Texas to go race this. You know, my my plan is to be in the top 10. You know, I have this expectation in my head for sure. The way that I know I can perform, and you know, I I know how good of a rider I am. I. I I think I I should land here, and that's what I want. And if I don't do it, then of course I'm going to be disappointed. But in that you're in misery the entire extreme enduro and in your head the whole time you're just like i just want to let off for a minute i just want to sit down i just want to relax and then you break something it's like oh that's well nothing i can do about that it's the easy way out right yeah so mark's like i got your your i got you a new clutch perch dude we're good put your gear on i'm like oh so i i put my gear back on and you know kind of reluctantly but i put my gear back on push my bike over drain you know you got to bleed it you know to get the all the fluid right and everything so uh fire it back up and and head back out so i lost let's say 20 minutes eh, you know over an hour for sure um well over an hour uh jump back in and, and start hammering down and i'm like well i you know i got three hours to go so might as well just see what kind of finish i can get uh, i start pushing i think i got two more laps on and then i switched to my lighting helmet um and yeah, started riding in the night and it starts getting cold. And, you know, I, I just kept hammering the whole time, pushing as hard as I could. Um, bike was, bike was feeling good. Felt like I was dialed, felt like the last laps I really started getting into it. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I ended up finishing at nine o'clock at night. So I, I came across the finish at like seven fifty, and they were like, you can do one more lap if you want. And I'm like, so, so basically it ends at eight o'clock, but if you get to the finish line before eight o'clock, you can go back out and get credited for another lap. If you finish a lap, which would help you in the points or something. Well, that's what I thought. I was like, well, if I can get an extra lap, maybe some of the guys quit that lap or, you know, okay. Maybe some of the guys came in in front of me at seven fifty and said, nah, I'm good. So I, I don't know where, I don't know where I am. In, you in the know, standings. In the standings. I mean, there was, I don't know, I think there was like 300, 400 people there. 
I don't know what place I'm in. I, I knew I was in the top 10 when I crashed and broke my lever. So I got to be, you know, when I lost an hour. So I got to be pretty far out of it. But, you know, let's see where I'm at. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to do everything I can. I'm here. Let's give it. So I went back out for another lap, took an hour and uh, got back in at nine o'clock. They credited me for my lap, went into the results. I ended up getting 14th. So, wow. Yeah. That's impressive after that adversity. Yeah. 14th is awesome. I was stoked, man. Based on, did you see how far, like, so were you able to go back and look at the standings and be like, look, if I shave an hour off, where does that put me? Well, the best, I, I think the biggest thing that I looked at was my lap times. And okay. I know that my lap times, I was running the same pace as the guys in, you know, right around from sixth to 10th. Awesome. Everybody in front of me, um, you know, all the guys in the top 10, I for sure would have been able to put in another lap. And if I would have been able to put in another lap, I would have been right around that top 10 area where I wanted to land. So cool. Um, you know, it, it was, it, I rode, uh, I rode really well. You know, I, I was stoked about the way I ride. I was stoked. I didn't, uh, I didn't quit. <laughs> you know, I was able to get through everything. Luckily my boy, Mark was able to find a cylinder. Mark saved the day. Found one, you know, found one, whatever. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, so it was a good race and to be able to lose an hour and 20 and still hit 14th. I'm, I mean, it's, I'm stoked about it for sure. I think that's phenomenal. That's, that's an awesome story about just persevering because there's so many, I might do my first desert race or so, or not, I might do a one or two desert races this year. Cool. Just to kind of get the monkey off my back. Cause everyone has been begging me to do it. Yeah, sure. Um, but I, but, uh, I think there was who I was talking to one of the race directors or some of the people that are in charge of things. And they're like, Hey, look, you know, one of the things you're going to have to do is force yourself to do that last lap. If you enter as a novice, then you're going to, a lot of times they don't do a second lap. And so it's yeah. like this relief or, or they don't do the last lap or whatever. If you enter as an amateur or an expert, which I'm not going to enter as an expert, but, um, I was trying to debate between novice and amateur. And one of the things that they were saying is like, look, if you enter as an amateur, you will get no points for the race. If you don't complete, if you don't complete like the whole thing, right. whereas the novices can, you know, and, and they were saying, sometimes it's really hard. I was talking to a buddy and they're like, they're like, you might've just done this nasty grueling lap on a desert race, which yep. was like 40, 50 miles or 30, whatever. And your body is tired and you're back into the pits. And now you have to figure out how to talk yourself into doing that second loop, which is generally harder than the first loop. And you're, and you're already exhausted. Absolutely. And so you, you knew you had that happening to you where like, look, I've got several hours more to go. And and I want to quit now. And you had to talk yourself into not quitting. Yeah. You, you know, know, that's the beauty of, of, you know, any, any competition truthfully is there's always a, there, there's always an easy way out always. And it's convincing yourself not to do that. That's, you learn a lot about yourself. You know, you learn who you are in those type of situations, man. You know, I say this all the time to people and, and, uh, but it's something I truly believe. I think that self-awareness is the most important character trait a person can have. If you know who you are, you know, you, you're able to relate to other people better because you can look inside of yourself. You realize all the different things that it gives you perspective, learning, uh, who you are as a person. If you have your own perspective, then you realize other people, even somebody that you may not like, you can look at them and say, dang, you know, that guy's had his own experiences throughout his whole life and it's made him that way. So you can't really hate him because a lot of those things, you know, maybe he didn't have a choice in those, 
I believe that competition for me personally has, has built this, um, awareness around who I am and where I've come from, you know, from the beginning of my life to now, you know, it's, it's a lot of it has evolved around riding dirt bikes and the competition side of things has taught me who I am as a person. And, and, uh, yeah, it's that last lap. It's, it's when you get there and you don't want to go out if, you know, they say you can go out. You got two minutes left. If you go back out, you'll get a whole nother hour at nine o'clock at night. It's freezing cold. You don't know where you're at. Oh, my, my chain kept re- derailing on the last lap. I bent my uh, guide, um, chain, guide. chain guide in and, uh, my chain probably derailed seven times on the last lap. You know, every time it's derailing, literally, I want to cry. <laughs> I'm laying oh. my bike over going, <laughs> you know, why is this? I don't want to do this anymore. And yet you still came in 14th. But I still kept going. I finished it off. And and when you get that, it's like, dang, I, I, I kind of learned something about myself. I, yeah, I got more in the tank. I can keep going, you know. It, it's, it's good to learn that. It's good to learn that about yourself. Have you ever read the book... Um, Shoot, I'm trying to think of it now. It's called uh, "Can't Hurt Me" by David Goggins. Oh man, David Goggins, dude, that guy is the best. Have you? Have you? you so you know his story oh, a little I, bit. I love his story. It, yeah, you know, David Goggins is is you know, that's uh, I get ner- I get really nervous before racing. I hate racing. I, I've said this many <laughs> times. You know, everybody comes up and they're like, "Dude, racing's life, man." You know, I freaking moto life forever, and I'm like, "Dude, racing sucks. It's I hate it." I'm terrified, uh, you know. I love well, it's it's so scary to me. I I I don't like lining up. I while it's going, I guess it's okay, you know. I, I mean, when I get into the zone, I can actually start riding good. I, I like it, but for the most part, I don't. And, and I'll probably always do it. And you know, it, 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 honestly, it sucks. <laughs> but it's the David Goggins mindset that keeps you going, right? I listen to David Goggins stuff. Just just him, you know, being crazy. And David Goggins, for the for the record, because most a lot of guys won't know who he is. David Goggins is not a dirt bike rider. No, David Goggins is a is an extreme athlete. He's a Navy SEAL. Yep. He's a he. I mean, he wasn't an orphan, but his dad beat the heck out of him as a kid. He's yep. he's a he's a black kid that grew up with a super hard life, and he was just tired of people telling him that he couldn't do things. And he went through hell week like three times in yeah. the Navy and just did all these crazy, crazy things that everyone said he couldn't do. He would run on broken legs. Yeah. He ended up being like a, an extreme, in, or I mean an extreme, uh, what do they call him? Extreme uh, yeah. runner? Ultra, ultra o- running. Ultra runner yeah, where they're running for like 100 miles, hours yeah. and all these different <laughs> things and, and just crazy, crazy stuff. And you read his book. First off, know that it's, uh, there's a lot of language. Oh, man. He's, um, he, he, has a partic- he, a lot. he has a particular affinity to <laughs> the F word. But if you can get beyond that... He gives some life lessons that are just like stunning. Absolutely, man. He does, you know, and like I said, I get really nervous before racing. I will listen to David Goggins stuff of him, you know, screaming, yelling like a crazy person. And it it makes me less nervous. It it, it helps me get in the zone when I'm hurting at the end of an extreme. You know, I remember uh, last dog standing last year. It was 120 degrees at Glen Helen Raceway. We went out for the second lap. Only eight guys finished, uh, the full extreme enduro race. So on Sunday, there was a thousand people that signed up for the sprint enduro <laughs> and it whittled down to eight riders who finished the full extreme enduro race. And I was, I was able to finish sixth and that second lap, 
I had Goggins, David Goggins in my head. He's, he's, he, I've seen him yell this thing where he's just yelling, you don't know me, son, which really <laughs> doesn't mean anything. But when I was in pain, I'm going, you don't know me, son. You know, because uh, <laughs> he says when you think you're done, you've only, you've still got yep. more than half in the tank. 100%. He's yep. like, you will be completely 100% spent and it's just your brain tricking you. Yeah, man. Your brain wants you to quit. It, it's crazy. It's just like I was saying, man, I was stoked when my bike broke. <laughs> but David, but as David as, Goggins would have beat the exactly, crap out of exactly. you if he was right there. Exactly. He, he, he would have just been like, son, boom. Yeah. But I was glad that I got the part. I put it back on and hammered down. Oh, and that's awesome. Yeah, he's that guy's a, that guy's an animal. But he definitely rattles around my mind in the in the in the points where I'm in the uh, worst amount of pain. I love it. David Goggins can't hurt me. Go get it on yeah, Audible. Check it out. That's what I did. So, so tell me, Rich, what's, and again, I guess this isn't a radio show. This is Rich Larson, you know. I don't, I don't maybe have to do that. If you've downloaded this, downloaded this thing, you should know, Rich. <laughs> but switching, so you recently switched from Husqvarna yeah. uh, to Sherco. Um, tell us a little bit. I, I want to dive into this on, on a bunch of different levels um, and talk about a number of the different aspects of Sherco and EFI versus carburetors and all these different things. But just kind of generally give us the overview of what it's been like switching from Husqvarna to now Sherco. Yeah, big time, man. So I've rode uh, the Austrian brand for, uh, you know, about 14 years. Um, Started on, you know, KTM 300. I rode KTM all the way until 2014. I started riding KTMs in 2007, 2008 and uh, rode KTM until 2014 and then uh, Husqvarna, I started getting support from Husqvarna. Moved on to Husqvarna. I've rode the you know the full model range, whether it is the XCW XC. Um, you know, I've done the TC two fifty models, um, and also you know four strokes as well. Um, when I was doing enduro cross, uh, I think you know the, the, when I was the fastest at end, when I was you know training enduro cross, and I felt like I was at the fastest, the highest level that I've been at with enduro cross. I was riding a a 250F uh, four-stroke. But so yeah, I've rode a, a, a whole model range and now focusing on extreme enduro in the last few years, um, switching to the Husqvarna 250 TPI. So TE 250i. Yes, and uh, you know, when I got the bike, I was absolutely beyond impressed. Um, and I still and the, the Sherco is what we're talking about. So sorry, sorry. The 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 TPI. Got, oh yeah, the Husky TPI. The, okay, yes. Got it. So switching to the TPI bikes, it the, you know the TPI is incredible, super super um, manageable power, very very smooth. Um, when I first got it, it almost felt like the bike um, would almost keep running when I get into the technical stuff and almost kill the bike. It was almost like the TPI would almost help it keep keep chugging along. Interesting. Um, so rode that for a long time in Extreme Enduro wor- works really well. And just this last year, uh, Sherco offered me a, a, a sweet deal where, um, yeah, I'm riding the 300 now. So switching from a 250 to a 300 and riding the SE Factory 300 uh, from Sherco. So yeah, like I said, I, I put five days on, went and rode uh, Red Bull Override. And yeah, ever since then, I've just been kind of dialing it in, uh, doing a lot of testing on it. Um, just trying to get it a hundred percent. So I'm, I'm fully comfortable on it, but truthfully, um, it was, it's, it's crazy, you know, starting, starting with switching, uh, to a carburetor, right? Yeah. So for me, 
switching from a carb to a TPI machine is a lot easier than switching from a TPI back to a carb. Uh, a TPI, you know, I, I kind of explained this on a video that I did uh, for the IRC Moto YouTube channel um, where I kind of compared and reviewed both bikes. But what I said was the TPI models almost feel artificial. Um, the power is very consistent. It's like the computer is putting the exact same fuel ratio throughout the uh, power line, the RPM line. It's like the a consistent, very smooth, but almost artificial feel where a carburetor feels very alive. You know, if you're riding down just a flat road with a carburetor bike and your throttle half at, you know, at halfway through, it, it almost will accelerate and decelerate. You know, it's, it's, even if you hold the throttle perfectly steady, the RPMs kind of fluctuate up and down. It's, it's, the bike's more alive on a carburetor. That's not saying one's better than the other, but, you know, they, they definitely feel different. So switching through a TPI, it was almost easier because it's an artificial feel and it's kind of like you're just, you know, you kind of adjust to it quickly. But switching back to a carburetor, so going from the Husky to the Sherco, for me, the carburetor was like, oh, this is a little bit different. I felt like I I really had to adjust how much throttle to give it and, and how much snap I needed in certain technical situations. That kind of stuff was a lot different. So, you know, that's a little bit on the weird side for me. It took, took me a little bit of time to get into it. One thing that I will say, though, with a carburetor, there's something about the way the bike lugs, where it pulls, where it tractors. Um, the the best the best way for me to explain the point that I think every extreme enduro rider is looking for um, is the point where the bike doesn't break traction but keeps pulling you forward. It's that tractor torque where you're lugging down at the bottom end of the power. Your gummy tire is hooking up as much as possible, and the bike is pulling you up a, a you know a side hill or whatever. And there was a lot of points immediately on the Sherco where I got into technical situations where maybe I'd be side hilling on a trail I've done before, or uh, climbing up something that's kind of a gnarly rough thing that you know maybe I've done it a few times before on the on the Husky. Switching to the Sherco, I did it. 100% faster the first time I did it. And I was like, whoa, was that a fluke? I actually turned around and did the trail again. And it it, it was one of those things where like, I think this is better. You know, it was, it was surprising to me. I'm like, dang it. I, I think that this is just better for extreme enduro. A big thing about the Shurkos are they are a trials brand, right? And that, that's probably part of what you're feeling too. Exactly. I think that they have developed their trials bikes for a long time and they've put a lot of that development into their enduro models. So when you get into those technical situations, a lot of times the bike feels like a trials bike. It has this ability to use your flywheel, right? So if you're, if you're an extreme enduro rider, you'll kind of understand what I'm saying. I'll try to explain it as best I can. In technical situations, you want to use your flywheel as much as possible. So what I will do before, say, going up a clip, uh, you know, a big cliff or something or uh, getting momentum before a really technical uphill situation, I'll get my my momentum with 
before I'm in that technical situation, I will ramp up my RPMs to you know very high and then drop the clutch and almost use no throttle. So now what's happening through the technical situation is your bike is using the weight of the flywheel, the uh, you know potential energy the stored energy yes the, the stored energy of the clutch and your rpms to now lug and hold traction through the technical situations a lot of guys will get into technical situations and their tires will spin because they're trying to gain momentum in the technical situation you want to gain momentum before the technical situation and a great way to do that is load your flywheel yeah right a lot of throttle at the fr- up front and then low throttle through the sec- section. Do you guys see what I'm saying? When it's so fun to watch Rich do these things and listen to him break it down. Graham Jarvis is doing what you just said, but he did not, doesn't really seem like he has the ability to articulate that. Right. And, and that's, that's one of the things I love Thank about you. And so this, this is just super, I, I'm thinking about that and going, how can I apply this to my riding? I need to build up more power you know, more momentum in my clutch or, you know, build up more of that potential energy yes. and then, and maybe less throttle once I get into the into, thing. I was exactly, I'm, I'm going back and thinking about some of the situations I've been in recently going, that probably would have helped me a lot. Absolutely. So that's a huge thing that a lot of the extreme guys are doing. It's all about momentum before the section, not gaining momentum through. You want to have all your momentum before you get into that technical situation. So learning how to gain that quickly by pulling in the clutch, getting those RPMs up, slipping the clutch, and then your smooth throttle. You're you're almost giving it no throttle because you're using all that stored energy energy in your flywheel and your clutch to then explode and and track you and pull you through the the technical situation that's where your tire is going to hold traction if you're gassing it your tire is just going to break traction it don't matter if you have a gummy tire on or a moto tire on your tire is going to break you can break traction on any tire spinning your tire is the number one thing that happens right that's that's the thing that that stops you from moving and that's right before you flip down the hill and break something exactly (laughs) so so learning how to Get that potential energy before, slip it, hold the, hold the traction, hold the throttle so at a smooth level, a low RPM, and pull you through the technical situation is something that's going to help every rider. It, it, the best way for me to explain it is also have, you know, be on the bike. You know, if I can, if we go out riding and I can say, okay, check this section out, watch how I do this. Did you hear my RPMs? Did you hear where I was on the throttle and where I was off the throttle? All those little things kind of come into play and seeing it's a lot easier than uh, articulating it through podcasts. So I hope everybody could kind of understand that. But. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I've got to do some more noodling on that. And and it's one of the other things that you had told me um, that I wrote down, which is carry a little bit more momentum than you think you need. Absolutely. And it's such a... I mean, people would be like, oh, that's a, that's a fun little thing to say. But it's so true. It's yep. like, okay, you look at an obstacle, a scary thing. You might be looking at a 20-foot like multi-step waterfall, which yeah. I looked at at one point here recently. And I'm sitting there going in my head. I'm like, the last thing I want to do is get three quarters of the way up that and then fall down. Yeah. So my natural inclination is going to be to give it X amount of you know, energy or X amount of momentum and the is right before I hit it, I was literally thinking Rich Larson and I'm thinking, carry a little bit more momentum than yeah. you need. 
and you make it up, you know, and these are the fun things, but it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about the switching from the Husky to the Sherco and, yeah. and how it's just got the more, the more momentum, the more, a little bit more luggable. And I think a lot of that just comes down to the fact that the, the carburetor is giving more fuel at those low RPMs Absolutely. than the TPI. The TPI is specifically designed to take fuel away from the low RPM ranges so it can meet emissions. TPI injection with Husky and KTM, it is not there to make the bike better. It is there to make the bike pass emissions. Sure. Yeah. I, I think a big thing about um, the TPI models are there is a huge potential for this, uh, you, you know, I think if the, if you had an app or something that you could go through and, you know, dial it in, I, I want to richen the bottom end and change certain fuel ratios, just like a tuner would do on, you know, somebody who's like a race car driver, right? They, they tune everything on the computer. The ability to do that personally, you know, that would take that bike to the next level. And you can do that with a get ECU, like an aftermarket ECU. Yeah, you absolutely. Absolutely. But, but KTM doesn't want to give you that because that's that's defeating the purpose of them. It's one thing to do on the Yamaha motocross bikes because that bike, the app that you get with the Yamaha bike is it's basically a dumbed down version of the Athena get technology. That's who made right. the technology. Right. The difference with the four stroke though is they're not adding so much oil into the fuel. They're not adding any oil into the fuel. Right. And so the four stroke just runs cleaner naturally. So it's easier for them to have a green sticker bike in four stroke and say, well, here, you can add a little more fuel and take a little more fuel away because you know, the, the bike already runs cleaner from an exhaust standpoint on the, t on the two stroke, it's a more complicated design to aspirate that bike through EFI. And then they don't want to give you stock, the ability to make the bike not be green sticker compliant or whatever. Sure. So they're kind of in a tricky situation. And I, I love, there was something we were talking about right before we jumped on about the EFI and the carb. Um, just, just the, well, that's one thing I wanted, I wanted to hear you articulate to the, to the listeners here is um obviously so so we know that the Sherco bike is awesome we know that the the motor is great and it's sure. been helping you in the tractor and lugability you mentioned something though about how the TPI bike um feels oh, almost yes. feels almost like it gets a little bit more uh what was the word we were using um efficient at yeah. the higher altitudes Absolutely. right Absolutely yeah So talk talk a little bit about yeah. that so the a, between the two A big way to tell with this is um changing altitudes and jetting right So I will have a certain jetting for Utah I just went down and and did a little film shoot in uh, California 2 weeks ago so I changed my jetting and went and rode in California Had to when, add, add more fuel richen it up exactly. for lower elevation Lower elevation uh more air equals more fuel so I richened it up, changed my jetting. I go down there and, you know, the bike feels when you're changing altitudes, when you're going to sea level from here in Salt Lake, which is 4,000 feet. Five, uh, well, we're at 45 here. And then all the riding go. you're doing is, is even more so eight. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So a big, big difference when you go down to California and you're in those, you know, sea level area. Now you really feel a difference in the bike's power, right? More, more, uh, more air, more fuel. That's, that's just more horsepower. Uh, the big thing that I noticed, especially on this carbureted bike, is when you change those altitudes, you really notice how much power you're gaining or losing depending on that. So coming back here to Utah, I was like, man, my bike really does feel a little bit underpowered compared to how it felt in um, California. Now, on the TPI bike, I think that it's more efficient at higher altitudes. I felt like that change from me going and riding uh, in Utah, heading to California from sea level, 5,000, 10,000 feet 
all those have a lot. Uh, there's a big difference in the way the bike feels changing those altitudes. It's almost on the carburetor bike. It's a more pronounced feeling. Yeah. Right. And on the TPI, it's, it's, it's like not there. It's like you can, there's definitely a difference. You can feel that it's, it has less power, but it's a lot, um, it's a lot less noticeable. So I think that the TPI bikes are really efficient in that changing altitudes. I I think that there's, again, I mean, both bikes are super rad. You know, if there was two sitting in front of me, it would be very hard. You know, if there was a TPI bike and a Sherco side by side, it's very hard for me to decide which one I like better. But I got to say something about the 36 millimeter Kian carb. It's, it's, it's tried and true, man. They've developed that thing for a lot of years. And, uh, man, it's, it's pretty dialed. That is real talk. You're not going to get that in very many other places. And I appreciate you just having the ability or the guts or the candor or the integrity to say, look, it it isn't that one of these bikes blows the other away. They both have some advantages. And, and, and again, the car, there is absolutely nothing wrong with the carburetor. Um, they're trying to mimic the carburetor with the TPI and they, they're not quite there yet. They'll get better, but literally what they're trying to do is hit the standard that the carburetor can do Yeah, and then make a couple of improvements here and there, but the carburetors are are awesome. So thank you for, for that. Yeah, man, absolutely. So going just kind of another Sherco line of questioning here. So recently, I, I think it was, was it before or after you and you and Cody probably just colluded and did this at the same time, but Cody Webb kind of shocks the world by switching yeah. to Sherco, freaks everyone out. I've listened to a podcast or two with him talking about it. I know there, I know there's like more to that story than meets the eye. I, I can just tell there's a there's Big some time. undercurrent there. Big time, yeah. But because Cody isn't here, we won't speculate a ton. But <sighs> it seems like Sherco is making a really large marketing push right now to break into the USA. I was wondering, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is it just is it just my perception that that Sherco is making a big push intentionally or are they just literally riding the wave of having Cody move over to them what is your thoughts on on this I, I mean to say um, that they're not riding the way would be the wave uh, would be dishonest I mean I think that it's a huge thing that Cody Webb switched to a to a Sherco. Uh, you know going back a little bit it's the Sherco's, I mean, just from me personally, it's an awesome bike, but it's been proven as well. You know, the, the way that Mario Roman rides it, I mean, it, it's... He's been to Sherzberg. Absolutely. Of, you know, well, he won, uh, I think it was him or Wade Young. I know they were like on the podium together, but one of them won, uh, I believe it was Lagares, Extreme Lagares last year. One of the Extreme Enduro, I think it was in the West Series last year. But I mean, it's proven. It's it's an amazing machine. Um now, Cody switching, you know, was surprising. I, I learned about it uh, quite a while before everybody did. And I was like, well, what? I mean, I, when I heard about it, I was like, no, he's not. Nuh-uh. You didn't leak that on your uh, Instagram? No, no. I was like, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think he's going to do it. I really didn't believe it. Because Sherco fake didn't news. really Hashtag exactly, fake news. exactly. Sherco really didn't have a presence here in the United States, right? I mean, there's not a, there's not a big, uh, honestly, the first time that I heard about Sherco was a buddy of mine, Mason Ottersberg, uh, as another enduro cross rider, um, good rider. He rode Sherco for a little while back in 2016, 17, I think. So that was really the only thing I knew about it. Now, Cody switching, it was so surprising. I think that, you know, obviously it's Cody Webb. I mean, arguably Cody's, you know, 
the the best uh, extreme enduro rider to come out of the United States. Um, and, you know, as far as enduro cross goals, I mean, him and Colton are those guys go back and forth. They are both so fast, and they're a step above the Europeans in in enduro cross, a hundred percent. Now. Extreme enduro, you know, Cody's uh, Cody's quite a ways, I think, ahead of Colton, and, and and Colton will admit that too. But and Colton's working hard at, at uh, you know, I think competing with Colt or Cody this year. I think we're going to see some pretty sweet battles between those two, uh, uh, Colton Haker on the Husqvarna and Cody on the Sherco, um, in this United States extreme enduro stuff. Now, you know, Cody's Cody's the real deal. I think Cody has the ability to win Ayersburg. In, for the United States, I think that's that, a that's a that's a tall order. Yeah, and I think that Cody has the ability to do it. And you know what? I've spoke to Colton Haker too. Uh, Colton and I are actually decent friends, and and uh, Colton wants to win Ayersburg. And and the fact is, is I'm like, whoa, you know, that's that's crazy, man. But when you meet somebody who's as good as Colton, you kind of learn about how crazy that mental mentality that he has. He's kind of a crazy person, and there's a there's an ability there that uh, it's I think it's hard for me to even understand. There, uh, he, he wants to push hard for that too. So uh, here's here's my point with all of this: extreme enduro is growing rapidly in the United States. It's huge in Europe, and I I hope that it becomes that big over here. We're seeing a lot of guys going into these extreme events, whether they're you know riders like me who are chasing you know the series. They want to they want to be in the top ten. They're they're pushing hard to be a very you know one of the top riders, or guys who just want the challenge. See, this is this new thing. Whether they're some normal guy who just likes to go out and ride. Some of these guys just want to go out and see if they can finish this race. It's a spectacle. Yeah. And that growth in the United States is something that I think Sherco sees. I think it's something that tire company sees. So for me personally, I work for IRC. That's the direction that we're going with these extreme enduro tires. We're seeing got all these companies come out with gummy tires, gummy tires. Gummy tires are for extreme enduro. That's what they're made for. So I think that... There's all this development going to Extreme Enduro and the growth of it, this, this almost banking on the growth of Extreme Enduro in the United States. What better way for a company to bank on the growth of Extreme Enduro than side the best Extreme Enduro rider in the United States, Cody Webb. Sherco jumped on board as quick as they could, and they got him. And uh, I think we're going to see some really, really neat stuff in the coming years. No, I totally agree. It's it's super fun and it's it's good for the industry. No matter if you're a, you know, I, I laugh at people who are brand loyal. There's a lot of people out there that think I'm just a KTM fanboy. I just like to ride yeah. nice motorcycles. And, me too. Uh, and there's <laughs> there there are, there are reasons for each one of these bikes. For me, the best bike for me that I have been able to find so far tend to be the orange bikes. But that doesn't mean that these other bikes aren't good. Sure. You know, and there and and the more that the more that there is competition, the more that Sherco pushes things, the more that Beta pushes things, and Gas Gas. We'll see how all that kind of shakes out. That is all good for us as consumers in the industry. You know, I wish that Yamaha, Honda, and Kawasaki and Suzuki would would enter into that. It doesn't appear that they're going to, um, but it would be nice if they did because it's just the more the more competition we have, the more it pushes things forward, and it's it's good for us as you know consumers. Absolutely, that's that's the big thing that people need to understand is is uh, you know whether you're brand loyal or not, it's one of those things that 
the the more brands there are, the more development is, the more the more rad stuff that you get. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you get to buy an awesome bike. Absolutely. And that's why, I, I mean, with this SE Factory um, Sherco, I mean, I've been super, super impressed with it. And, and they've just developed, you know, it's they, they've developed an extreme enduro bike. And for me, I want to ride extreme enduro. So uh, I'm beyond impressed with the bike. Oh, that's awesome. So let's uh, let's switch gears over to IR, IRC. Yeah. Um, the tire that I think you compete with um, is the IRC IX09W. Did I say that right? Yes, sir. Um, so tell us a little bit about that tire. Uh, why is this, uh, your tire of choice? Um, and what are the other tires that you kind of use and yeah. gravitate towards in that IRC lineup? So real quick, uh, the IX09W Gakota is the tire that I use. The Gakota means, you know, lizard sticks to walls, right? So they have that, the Gakota is another, uh, so that's, that's, it's not, there's an IX09W and then the Gekota? No, um, there's so yeah, there is an IX09W uh, which is just the motocross version. Okay. Same same uh, tread pattern as the IX09W Gekota. Two of the same. I mean, they look identical. It's just one's the gummy compound. One's got a gummy so the gu- trials the, compound. The Gakota is the trials part yes, of it. Yes. Yes. Okay, okay. If it says Gakota, that means soft. Uh, and then we also make a VE33S Gakota, which is a hybrid tire, right? Soft. So yeah. we also make a VE33, which is a regular, regular compound, same tread pattern as the VE33S Gakota, but the VE33 just a uh you know moto tire basically so yeah i i personally for extreme enduro i use the ix09w gakota um that's the tire that i put a lot of hours on man i probably put more hours on the ix09w gakota than just about anybody um you know I, i i was kind of one of the first guys to ride for irc um, I started riding for IRC when I was racing enduro cross, uh, in 2016, I was doing the, uh, I was, you know, top 15 in the enduro cross points and hammering down and IRC started supporting me. So since then I've been riding the IX09W Dakota. The reason why I like that tire, especially for extreme enduro is the super soft ability of the tire. Now, a lot of guys don't like it because it's too soft. Um, especially if you're not only riding extreme enduro. And that's always the thing I want to say. It's, it's kind of a, there's kind of a caveat to uh, explaining, you know, everybody's like, what tire do you use? I'm like, well, I use the IX09W Gakota, but are you going to want to use that? It's so yeah. soft. It's so flexible. You've got to have a moose to run that. Oh right? yeah. hundred percent. So it is, you can run a tube, you know, a heavy duty tube would be all right. I've never popped a heavy duty tube with one. I used to run tubes um, early in enduro cross, but uh, you know, if you're competing, it's one of those things where I, even no matter what tire I'm running, I would run a moose bib just because I, I can't afford to get a flat tire in DNF because of a flat. Right? Do you run two rim locks when you're doing? Oh that? yeah, two ri- two rim locks. You always run two rim. Yeah, locks. on the rear, always. Because we're locks. starting to we've we've seen a couple of cases here recently where people have had one rim lock and then all of a sudden their their tire spinning Dude, on the moose. So one I was racing uh, uh I think it was San Francisco or um Ontario enduro cross back in the day and I was 100% sure that my clutch was slipping. I was going, "Dude, <laughs> was, my clutch just your tire, is right? slipping. This is crazy." <laughs> I went out for the LCQ and I was hit there was these two double jumps in a row. And it was so sketchy because I felt like I wasn't getting the pull off the face of the jump that I needed. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, my clutch is slipping. Dang it. It sucks. Went out. And I actually, 
you know, finished the race, whatever, drove home, changed the clutch, it kept doing it. And uh, <laughs> not the clutch. Yeah, rode around, finally made a mark in the tire and realized that that thing was just spinning on the rim. One rim lock, you know, uh, with a moose bib. It was just spinning on the rim. So it's so funny because I've heard of other guys, and they're obviously not Rich Larson level. But I've I know people that have run mooses with no rim lock. Oh wow! You know what I mean? And and they and they haven't had much of an issue. And then well, I'll, you know, I think with a with a very uh, uh, stiff. So it's all about it's all about carcass, right? So a lot of a, a lot of tires have a three ply carcass. Some guys, tires have a four ply carcass. There's there's all you know. Every brand has a different setup for how they build tires. So for me personally, again, IX09W Dakota, that's only a two ply carcass. That's a very thin carcass tire. I mean, if you put your hands in between one side of the inside of the tire and the outside of the tire, you can feel how thin this tire is. Now changing over to maybe a motocross tire that we make even the same tire the ix09w regular in motocross that would be more of a two-ply carcass and it has a breaker ply in it uh all these tires have a different internal setup so if you were running a moose bib with say maybe an m5b evo which is another popular tire that we make you might be able to run it without a rim lock. I mean i wouldn't recommend it but uh just because the carcass is so hard it's going to be a lot less likely to spin just because of how hard it's pushing out. Also, it depends on how big your moose bib is, right? So if you're running a yeah. really soft moose bib, I mean, there's so many different variables that go into all this stuff. You know, it's all trial and error. And I'm, I mean, again, I was racing pro at the time and I wasn't running two rim locks and, you know, I paid for it. But it's one of those things where you kind of have to learn and just, you know, adapt and adjust and, and make changes as, as you see fit. But personally, I run two rim locks all the time. Um, and yeah, I XO nine W Dakota, I'm looking for the softest possible tire there is. So for me, I need all the flex. I'm, you know, a lot of times I'm just riding up riverbeds here in the summer. So it's, uh, you know, the stuff that I do is, is, you know, tailored to extreme enduro and i need the softest possible tire i can get yeah no i love that I, it, it's hard to navigate the irc website i can't find even I on here you can't find doing, get coda go here. to go to irc moto oh irc that's moto. that's our uh that's the international site there okay so that's what i'm doing so ircmoto.com there you go okay cool this, okay now we've got extreme ah so yeah, well, I just did a Google search for IRC tire and I hit the hit yeah. The we need website. to get rid of that international website. Yeah, well, no, this is much better because this actually shows the Gekoto stuff. Yeah, so and it gives to... you off road and extreme. So guys, if you're if you're going to learn some more about IRC, you got to go to ircmoto.com. Don't make the mistake I just did and go to the international site. And this is much much better. Good, I love this. You know, and something else I wanted to transition into. Um, I now I just finally was able to grab myself and pot, and buy four of the uh, IRC VE33S Gakota tires. Beautiful. I like that tire because it's this hybrid gummy that still has a stiffer carcass, so I can run tubeless with it. Um, but it's still got a softer compound than a general like traditional knobby, and I love that tire. Yeah. The, the only problem that I have with it is availability. There's almost like yeah. this. There's almost like this underground undercurrent people on Instagram that <sighs> that uh, wait for the tire to come on with some of these, you know, vendors maybe like a Rocky Mountain ATV or something, and the tire's out of stock, and then suddenly it'll come in stock, and somebody will post a picture and be like, "Hey, go grab one of these before such and such person go buys them right, all." Right. 
And it's like this little inside joke thing. And and that's been my... And then guys post like a picture of a stack. A stack of, of like, like 15 yeah. Yeah, they that just, they all bought from Rocky Mountain yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, I got them. I got them all. Oh, and no like, wonder they're all out of yep, stock. Sorry, everywhere. dude. I bought them all. And, <laughs> yeah. so my, and it's a good tire. I haven't found a better all-around tire. For what you're doing and the training that you're doing and things, obviously, you're going to use that extreme Enduro sure. tire. But that tire... If somebody goes and they buy it, they're like, wait, how come this is worn out after 15 hours or whatever? They're, they're going right, to... Yeah. And so you have to know what you're buying. But with going away from that, though, how, what is IRC doing to improve availability of some of these tires that are really now super hot? Yeah, so a um, couple things. First off, the VE33S, it's so rad to see all you guys running it. I'm glad you guys like it. It's cool to see that, that you know this is kind of that same thing that I'm saying about this growing of this extreme enduro. Now I know for you, Kyle, I mean, I've seen some of the videos that you guys do. You guys get into it. It's rad to see you guys getting into extreme situations. I mean, I saw that snowy hill that you, that you slid down. I mean, that was gnar, man. That wasn't, that wasn't IRC. That was a Dunlop that let me down there. That Dunlop tire was a problem. Dunlop tire wasn't hooking up good. (laughs) So (laughs) so, it had nothing to do with the tires. But getting into those extreme enduro situations, those like a lot of guys are doing that style of riding nowadays. It's growing. And, and that's like just a hair off of going and competing in an extreme enduro, you know? So maybe I have to convince you to get out here and uh, do one with me. But, uh, you know, I'll give you a bunch of free training before, yeah, and then we'll go out and uh, dial it in, man. I'll up my life insurance. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, okay, availability. Now we're seeing this growth in the sport. A lot of guys are buying these tires. It's awesome for the sport. It's awesome for us at IRC, right? But it is frustrating for a lot of guys because they're like, "I want this tire. I've been waiting, and it's out of stock every time." So you will see it way more available in the coming months because we have met with Western Power Sports specifically. We actually just got done with the national sales meeting a week ago. I was in Boise presenting the IRC stuff to all the uh, you know national uh, reps for Western Power Sports. Now you're going to see, uh, hopefully, we see a lot more guys pushing these VE33Ss, the M5Bs, and the IX09Ws. Those are our main sellers, right? Yeah. With that VE33S, that's the one that everybody wants. We have... Uh, I know that right now Western Power Sports is fully stocked with them. So you're going to see them much more available now. And they have been making huge orders. So we, we've got shipments of them coming in. They're going to – basically what happened, there was a sudden demand for this VE33S. Yeah, probably unseen. Yeah. We didn't think this <laughs> that this was going to happen. You know, obviously – I kind of started really pushing with all of the IRC stuff. We've started to push on our media. We've started to do everything that we can to get the IRC name out there. Uh, In doing that, it's kind of like, whoa, it suddenly started blowing up. And specifically with this VE33S, because a lot of guys think this is the best tire we make because it's very well-rounded. Versatile. It's so versatile, right? You can get into the extreme stuff. You can tread the single track trail, whatever it is. It, you know, say you're setting a single you track even, trail. You can even do a moto on that. Absolutely. Like I've track. done it 100%. I've tested it and it's like, oh, this is actually pretty solid. You know, you, you're riding something single track and then you get into a technical situation. You have the gummy compound on reserve for when you need it. And that's why these guys like it. It lasts a long time. It lasts longer than most gummy compounds because it's a little bit harder. Yeah. It's way harder than the yeah. IX09W Gakota, right? It's a little it's right in that middle ground. So it has that kind of all-around style for the guy who rides everything. And that's why it's so popular. So it will be much more 
readily available in the coming months. It was such a sudden thing where so many guys were viral. We're going, holy cap, what do we need to do here? We need to up our, <laughs> you know, yeah. So production. We, exactly. We're upping our production. And also the biggest thing is the uh, distributors need to understand how much they need, you know, they don't want to overbuy on any product, right? So right. basically we we make the tire and then the distributors buy the tires from us and those products go to, you know, whether it's Rocky Mountain or specific shops, they're the ones who are distributing the tires out through the United States. Well, the distributors don't want to overbuy on one product. So they Especially always- Especially not a new product. Exactly. Like so they always play on the safe side. So now that we've kind of got over the initial hump of it being sold out all the time, you will see it much more available. Oh, that's good. So with the M5B, I, I have a suggestion. That that tire ought to have like some sort of a warning label that says, do not ride within 15 yeah, feet yeah, yeah. behind someone who is running this tire because it might be hazardous to your health. Dude, that is, that's a real, that's, I might steal that from you because that's a super good marketing campaign. Because so. I have been, I was, I was riding behind one of my buddies, uh, Shane, uh, Shane Johnson. Shane, you're, you're probably listening to this. One day over in, can't remember where we were, Wellington or something. And uh, that was hazardous to my life. Like, because he was running a brand new M5B. And to be honest, I didn't even know what it was. He's like, he's like I'm like, is that, a, is that the Get Cody? He's like, no, this, this is the M5B. And it, the lugs are like six inches tall. Dude, I swear to you. They're I mean, gnarly. They're not six inches. But the point is, that tire digs. Yeah. And it's got lugs that look like it came out of a horror magazine yeah. or a horror movie. <laughs> and it's dangerous. Don't get yeah, too close behind yeah. it. I mean, a 450 or a 500, you know, two-stroke, 450 cc, you know, uh, in front of you. With an M5B, it's like you better have a chest protector on. Oh yeah, and like double goggles. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a gnarly tire. That tire is actually one more hill climbs than any tire, um, for obvious reasons. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a gnarly one. But you know, a lot of guys really like that for all around riding too. You know, it actually just won the 2019 Sprint Enduro Championship with Evan Smith in Georgia, the East Coast. He races GNCC and Sprint Enduro, and he won the Sprint Enduro Championship running the m5b evo that's so cool I'm it works really well in that sandy soft stuff i'm gonna have to ride it i've only i've only followed it and i was like <laughs> no freaking way yeah. this isn't supposed to it isn't supposed to be this painful yeah you know? yeah yeah for sure that and that i mean that's another tire too you can use a, a tubeless system thicker carcass as well as the ve33s you know a lot yeah. of guys are getting you know i think tyler's getting like 35 hours on his on his ve33 yeah yeah i don't push them that long because i'm i i'm not as good as a lot of the riders that i ride with and so i need some extra advantages yeah, and so you. one of the advantages that i use is i'm like i'll run a tire to about 20 hours yeah and, yeah, and then yeah. i'm like oh i'm going with these guys over here i need every advantage Gotta i can get, get. that's boom, smart thinking I'll, I'll throw on new rubber because it it i something that i've learned more than maybe anything else in my riding is that uh, the tires you put on your bike are more important than anything Dude. else you do i'm so all glad of, you're saying all that. of these people that are like putting you know you know i'm not saying don't spend money on your suspension blah 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 but i'm right in the weight range for these bikes <laughs> and so i feel like a lot of times spending money on my suspension isn't the best way i can go yeah i can promise you this yep. spending money just having fresh rubber on your bike is going to do more than anything else you could possibly do dude i i mean that is i mean I, I like to think that I'm, you know, I'm pushing myself to be at the highest level. I'm doing everything I can to compete uh, in the top 
of the extreme enduro guys. And there's a lot of guys that are better than me, but I'm pushing as hard as I can. I train a lot. I'm riding six days a week. The first thing that I change on my bike is the tires. That's the contact point of the ground. And it's not just because I work for IRC. I mean, I know, yeah, all right, I work for IRC. But truthfully, that is the only contact your bike has with the ground. It's your tires. That's where your bike is, it's going to hook up or it's going to not hook up, right? And those are the things that you're going to notice the most. For me personally, I run stock stuff. I haven't changed my suspension on my Sherco, just clickers. That's the only thing I've done, clickers. And it was the same on your Huskies. 100%. I, I don't make a lot of adjustments. I make sure I keep my oil clean and my suspension, you know, I make sure that that I'm, you know, servicing my stuff so it's so it's always tight and you're putting protective parts on them. Protective parts 100%. You got to make sure you got your skid plates and your, you know, your rotor guards and all that stuff, super important. But to me, the number one and I mean this is for my riding specifically, extreme enduro, that style of riding. Uh, you know, if you're a trail rider, extreme enduro rider, somebody who gets out into the mountains, I think tires are number one. Uh, you know, definitely when you get into the higher speed stuff, when you're riding motocross, when you're, you know, doing supercross, if you're a, you know, GNCC racer, those guys, absolutely. Suspension is very important. But for me, I, I'm not going to buy, what's the cone? I'm not going to buy $6,000 cone valve forks. I just don't think it's necessary. I mean, they, I've, I've, I've rode them. I've tested them. They're definitely better. You know, that's a, a great example is, uh, you know, on the my, on my previous bike, I was running WP. Now I switched to KYB on the Sherco. Honestly, I like the KYB better. I really like the KYB components. I think they're great. I think they're better. Now, would I then get a KTM and switch my WP stuff to KYB? No. I, I'm not going to do that. It's, it's it's not worth it to me. The price point is way too high for me to think it's worth it to spend $4,000 on KYB suspension for my hus for my husky, you know, or yeah. you know, cone valves for my for my husky or whatever. The 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 things that matter are making sure your suspension's set up correctly for your weight you know, dialing in the clickers, feeling out wh what direction you need to go with those for your style of riding. And I truly believe that tires are number one. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not surprised about that at all. If you, if we walked out into my shop out here, um, you would see a stack of Dunlop AT81s up in my loft yeah. because I pull them off the bike and I, I, because especially if I'm doing a review, a review now of these bikes, like I've reviewed you know, several betas in a row, They've got a tire on there, which I'm not going to drag through the mud here on this, but I don't want to run it. Sure. And, and I want to put a tire on there. I'm like, you know what? This review is about the bike, and I am no longer willing to hamstring my impression of the bike yeah. based off of a subpar piece of rubber. Dude, that is such a good point, too. Like, for you... You know, you're, you're testing, you go from bike to bike to bike. You're, you know, you ride everything for you. You need something that you're a hundred percent used to for. So for me, when I switch from Husky to Sherco, it's like one component that I know 
is the IX09W Kokoda because I put thousands of hours on that tire. So I get the bike. I immediately put those tires on because that's what I've ran for so long. That helps you with your understanding the ba- of to know the bike. what the baselines are for exactly. everything. Exactly. You have to, and you know, I don't care if it's an IRC or a Dunlop or whatever tire the listener right now is comfortable with, whatever they prefer, that's the tire that you've got to put on your new bike before you go switch in suspension and switching, you know, all of your settings, the tire that you know, that you are comfortable with, that you've tested and understand where it performs and where it doesn't perform, how it performs in specific situations, the tire that you hundred percent understand is the first thing that you should be changing because then that helps you change and make the correct decisions when you're testing your new machine. That's gold. That's radio slash podcast gold right there. I hope you guys listen to that because that is something that both Rich and I are passionate about right now. Um, you know, you go out there and you get your new bike. Don't leave that tire on there that you know nothing about. Put a tire on there that you or tires front and rear that you know mm-hmm. a lot about and, and, and see that. And that way you can start to make some adjustments uh, from that point. So any new tires on the horizon that the IRC is working on for like this hard enduro segment or, yeah. or what can you tell us about that? So, I mean, I, I mean, I can't completely go into it, but I will say that I am testing some tires right now, um, that we are in the development process right now. We're trying to get something new dialed in. Here's the thing. IRC is pushing super hard. We want to be back on the map. IRC used to be really big in the 80s and 90s. In fact, I think Ricky Johnson actually rode for IRC at one point. We were we were big in the moto scene, and it was a very known thing, and it kind of fell off, and there was a lot of different reasons for that. So now we are pushing hard. It's, it's kind of a resurgence. And the direction that we're going is in the off-road market. We're focused on extreme enduro. We're focused on Love off-road. It. We're focused on these guys because... I think a lot of these off-road guys feel like they're underappreciated. And I and the fact is, is I think there's more off-road guys than motocross guys. I mean, there's there's a huge uh, a huge pyramid, right? There's the there's the top one percent, the guys that can be in the in the top ten of the sport or, or in the top, you know, whatever whatever you want to talk about, whether it's motocross, endurocross, extreme enduro, whatever. There's there's a there's a very small portion of guys that can run at that highest level. Eli Tomac, Ken Roxon. Right, absolutely. Brett, there's Justin a Brayton. very small number. And then there's a huge pyramid down below. There's a huge market for the guys that are just the average dude. And I think that's a big thing that, uh, you know, going to what you're doing. Kyle, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're just an, you're an average dude. You love dirt bikes you love riding dirt bikes you go out you you ride you enjoy it as much as possible and you've formed that into something that is much bigger than that you've taken your this with this podcast your social media everything you're taking it and you're putting content out there for the average rider and with irc we want to hear what you guys want to say. Just like the same thing that you're doing, Kyle, looking at the average guy saying, hey, I'm an average guy. This is how it feels. You know, this is the direction that I went with this and this and this. This is for the average rider. That's the direction that we want to go because that's the big pyramid. That's that's Those are the guys who feel like they're neglected and those are the guys that are spending the money in the yeah. sport, right? So 
we're developing. We want to hear what you guys want, what kind of tires you guys want. That's a big thing. We're listening to what everybody's saying. Uh, we are developing some new stuff. The plan for the next two to three years is putting out two to three tires every single year. That's so awesome because you talk about that triangle. And if you guys just think about that for so often, um, <clears throat> tires specifically have been desired, designed for the top people in that pyramid. Yes. And that market is that market is narrow up there at the top by design. And if we can start marketing now down to the fatter part of the triangle, and obviously you're going to have to give up certain things that the pro wants, but there's only so many pros out there. And let's be honest, most of the time you're going to give that give stuff that to the stuff, pros. Exactly. So if we're going to, if we're going to sell this, we need to market it to a, a, the wider, broader demographic, hundred percent, which is cool. Very I good. think that's kind of the direction with the VE 33 S. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I could use that tire in a very dry extreme enduro somewhere where, you know, it's not super slick. I could use it there. It works great in those situations. And if I'm just going out riding, like, you know, doing some trail riding or anything higher speed, like I'd 100% put one of those on. But for me personally, I'm running the IX09W Gakota because it's made for what I do. But that's a very small portion. Right. That's why Track. that tire is always in stock. Traction is king. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're pushing in that direction. We want to market to the average guy, and we want to hear what you guys want. But yeah, like I said, two to three tires for the next uh, two to three years. So it, we're, we're going to be dialed in here soon. Love it. I'm excited to see that. Let's talk about um, moving from 250 to 300 cc two strokes. So you've yeah. ri you've ridden these, you've ridden all of these different bikes oh, over, yeah. over the years, hundred percent. But in in recent memory, the last time I had you on, you were riding a Husky TE 250i. Yes, and <clears throat> excuse me, I specifically asked you at the time, like why the 250 over the 300? Because it seems like more of the 300 or more of the hard enduro guys gravitate more towards the 300 sure. because the extra torque. And one of the things that you said was, hey, look, I'm more comfortable with the 250. I've ridden a lot of motocross bikes. I like the way the power comes yeah. on. Uh, and I also just want to show people that, you know, the 250 is just as capable as, capable as, three, as the 300. So now with Sherco, you're now riding the 300 two-stroke. Yep. Did they give you a choice? And, and let's talk about like how you adjust from going from the 250 to the 300 now. Yeah, you know, I, I guess they kind of did give me the choice. Um, I, I, it was all my decision to go to the 300 because I wasn't sure what the bike was. Right. I, I mean, I haven't put. You in, hadn't ridden one, had you? No. This is my. That so was, you you signed. Before I went in blind. Sight unseen. Yeah, sight unseen. I went in blind. So for me, that's like you know. I was like, I don't know. I need every advantage. You, you, you went. Know? The, you went the safe way. You, sure. You're almost like, look, this is the safer bet. A hundred percent. Now, that being said, I, I I've tested. You know, so for me riding the Husky 250, you know, before that I rode the TC 250 a lot. I did a lot of enduro cross on the TC 250. Um, that bike is super snappy. I like the way the 250's power is. You know, it's it's um, it's it's a, it's a moto type bike. Switching to the 250, it kind of had a similar. You know, it, it was kind of similar. It had. I mean, obviously, it wasn't as uh, snappy as the. 250 motocross version, but the 250 Enduro, the TE 250i was, had a little bit more snap to it. I felt like it was, um, as opposed to a 300. Yeah. As opposed to a 300. It, it just, it, the, the power delivery was more what I was used to. Um, now with a 300 on this new Sherco, you know, 
it's hard for me to compare, I guess it's hard for me to compare brand to brand for sure, because they're, they are so different, right? That, I mean, one has their advantage. One doesn't, you know, one, one, some things, uh, uh, work a little bit better in a certain situation. And, and now it's even harder because one was a 250 and one was a 300 that makes a big difference. Now, um, that being said, the 300's power is very, very smooth. It's, 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 it's on the bottom end. It's got that tractability. Okay. Now my 250 definitely had a tractable power, but I would, for me personally, I would say that the carburation is where the biggest difference is. Now I think this is, this is going out on a limb and I would love to do this test, but I think that my 250, my TE 250i from Husky is faster than the 300 from Sherco. I would just in a little drag race. I would say if we did a drag race, I think I could win on the 250 TPI. But I think that was just more of the fact that it's a 250 versus 300. 300s are not drag race bikes. Right. And, and I think that the way that the power delivery is on the 250 for what the riding that I did and, 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 you know, switching from a motocross 250, I liked that snap. I liked the way that that bike felt. Now, now that I've kind of developed as an extreme enduro rider, I think the 300 definitely has its advantages. There is a, sure. a more of a torquey bottom end. You have that little bit of extra power, um, you know, there's and maybe a little carrying a little more energy in the flywheel, like you were sure, talking about. Hundred percent. You know, it's one of those things where you're you're carrying those that little extra fifty cc's almost gives you that little bit of extra momentum that you need in those technical situations. It just kind of pulls you along a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, they again, feel they feel slightly heavier when you're riding them. I sure feel like the three hundred feels slightly heavier than the two fifty, and I think it's just because of the. The more rotating yes, mass, just, just more a mass, a little 100%. bit more rotating mass, because the engine cases are the same. Everything is the same. It's just a different piston with a different stroke so and a different cylinder size. Imagine with that more rotating mass in those technical situations. If you were riding it the way that I do, right, where we're loading the engine at the bottom to gain momentum, and then we're holding that momentum through the technical situation. Right, so you're kind of doing a yeah, I'll, right, lug, 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 lug. That sound, you're moving a lot more mass with the 300. That rotating mass then is able to pull you a little bit better in those technical situations because it's more. It's just you know yeah. more more. What's the object in motion stays in motion, right? Einstein. Einstein dialed it in for us. Inertia, but but I also feel like the 250 can make you a better rider because it we get we can get so lazy on the 300. Oh sure, absolutely. You know, and and I'm not saying that you're getting lazy on it. You're probably the antithesis of that. But I think the general rider, I know that I can be, become more lazy. I'll catch myself hanging on to a gear too long on both. Uh, you know, slowing down. Well, I, it's when I slow down, I'll hang on to a gear and I won't shift down. Yeah, that's on the a 300. Great I'll, I'll get lazy for sure. Um, on the 250s, I'll click up faster through the gears because I. Well, no, actually, I won't. I'll hold the gear longer on the 250 when right. I'm shifting up. Yeah, yeah. Because they rev out a little better. But but I get lazy on my downshifts on the 300. Um, and sometimes that bothers me. Like, there are there are definitely days where if I know I'm going in a certain situation, I'd want the 300. And other times, if I'm going ripping out in the desert, I'll take the 250 every day of the yeah, week. Yeah, a lot of times the 250, you know, you can, you can, you ride it harder. 
You know, you you have to. It, it it's almost like it it puts you in the zone a little bit more. You're 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 revving it, it out more. It definitely you. it definitely revs out more than the three hundred. You know, it's one of those bikes that that really. Um, you know, that snap, I, I keep saying that, but it's that snap that, and, and the pull to the top is just different on the 250 compared to the 300. And, and yeah, I think a, a lot of times it can make you a better rider. It can make you a more aggressive rider. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I would love to test one of those, uh, the Sherco 250s to kind of compare. Maybe one day we can, I can set something up, but, uh, yeah, anyway, it's, it's pretty radical. No, that'd be cool. So we were talking about this before we jumped on uh, the recording. We were just talking about so Sherco. The one cool thing about it is they've they really have a bunch of different models of bikes. They've got they've got their uh, enduro segment, their trials segment, their cross country, their leisure segment. Uh, the two that I'm most interested in right now is the enduro segment and the cross country segment. It's really difficult for us to identify the differences between the enduro segment and the cross country segment. I know that the enduro segment comes with a a headlight and a tail light, whereas the cross country segment doesn't. <laughs> um, if you go to the factory level, because they have kind of a factory level, which if you're familiar with KTM or Husky, that's like your your uh, six days version, right? Uh, or your Somewhat, or yeah. your Rockstar version, a little bit, you know. But um, in the in the enduro line of bikes, they have their standard levels, like like you'd have a 300 SER. The S stands for, or the E stands for the enduro, and the R is just, that's the bike, so it's the SE-R. Then they have an SE factory in the enduro line. Down in the cross-country line, which is more probably what like a KTM XC would be, they only do factory bikes. It looks like all of the factory bikes come with the KYB uh, suspension, whereas the standard bikes come with a WP fork. Um, You said that you've loved your, your KYB. You know, yeah, so I'm, I'm really impressed with the KYB. It'd be interesting to see what type of valving they have in here. The, the, one of the things that people forget is just because it's KYB, there's a multiple different cartridges oh, that, yeah. you can, that you can stick in those things. Oh, yeah. So not every KYB is valved the same. 100%. So yeah. keep that in mind, guys. Just because it says KYB doesn't mean it's going to be the best thing. It's, it's the valving. And then it's for you, the type of riding that you're doing. But I'm really encouraged to hear you say that you love it. You love the, the suspension that you've got on the bike. Um, that that's super fantastic. Yeah, so. big thing about the suspension is I feel like it's 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 almost a very it's a very progressive feel, um, which I really like. I like the feeling of a bike that can sit in the stroke. So in a technical situation, uh, uh, you know, if I'm riding through a rock section, I want the bike to be in the stroke. I want it deep riding riding right in the middle of the stroke, but. I like, I like a bike that doesn't bottom on hard hits. So I like a more progressive suspension, soft at the top, really hard at the bottom. The KYB feels very, very progressive. It, it gets harder as you go down. I've actually kept softening mine because I feel like I can keep going softer and I'm trying to get to that point where, okay, now I'm bottoming. I need to go a little bit harder, right? So it's it's one of those things. I, I like the bike to be able to ride deep in the stroke. You want a bike to ride you know, nice and, and uh, plush in technical situations, but you also don't want it bottoming when you have a really hard hit, like say you're hitting a rock or a log at speed. You don't want that bike bottoming. So there's a fine line. I feel like the KYB has done a very good job on being able to ride in the stroke when I need it and not bottom in the hard hit situations. Yeah, and on the beta that I'm riding right now, it's got a KYB fork, but I, the valving, we don't know. I don't know exactly what valving it has. In sure. it. It's very harsh. It's very harsh compared to the oh, other really? four or five bikes that we've put it next to. 
it's the harshest of all of them and i've loosened i've taken all the compression clicks i can out of it and it's still too harsh it is valved right now for someone who's doing gncc like third fourth fifth gear type stuff it is not it is not valved to where you can go do the hard enduro stuff you know but i'm i'm pleased to hear because even probably in a week or two i've got to go pick up a Yamaha YZ250FX, which will also have the KYB fork. And I've had it on six or seven bikes. Sure. But it's just amazing to me how differently they are valved. Yeah. Like the last time I had a KYB fork that I really liked was on a YZ250X back in 2017. I loved it. I gelled with that one. I had just come off of the YZ250FX and it was just like, eh, it was just okay. It, it had different components inside sure. of it. You know, just, so just because it says KYB on the side doesn't mean that it, you know, they're all not, they're not all. Yeah, absolutely. I think especially with the off-road, you know, uh, off-road style riding, I mean, every brand who makes an off-road bright bike has a different assumption of what off-road is, right? So for each thing, maybe one's developed for GNCC and one's developed for hard enduro. I mean, those are two completely different styles of racing. I think with a motocross style, you know, all the moto bikes are made for moto tracks, right? If you're buying one of the Japanese brands, it, or, or I mean, even the KTM and Huskies, the motocross bikes are made for moto tracks. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, with the off road, it makes it a little bit. It's a lot more about preference, and that's that's a big thing. Is 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 uh, you know, get your bike dialed in, put the right tires on, so you know how it performs, and then start messing with your suspension. No, that's cool. So as we kind of re- wind down here, I've got a trials bike. I've got a gas gas trials bike. I don't ride it hardly at all. That's actually where I tore my ACL um, and ruined my whole life that one year. That's <laughs> that one amazing. Year. That, yeah, you know. <laughs> but I but I it sounds like with with Sherco now, you might have some opportunity to. We we touched on it. Sherco is a trials company. Yes, and so now you have the opportunity maybe to get uh, get some support and maybe get a bike from get a, get a trials bike. Are yeah. you interested in? Kim- Doing some competing in that? So, yeah, I'm kind of actually planning on that. I'm thinking maybe I'll, I'll get one of the, um, you know, a, a new model Sherco and uh, start doing some of these trials competitions. You know, a big thing about Extreme Enduro, you know, and I tell this to all the guys I teach too, is your balance is a huge part of your riding, um, especially when we get into technical stuff. It's It's all about being able to keep your feet on the pegs because if you can keep your feet on the pegs, you're keeping weight on the rear tire and weight on the rear tire equals traction. So yeah. with trials, obviously, the best riders all come from a trials background. I mean, there's a reason why uh, Colton Hager, Cody Webb, uh, you know, Graham Jarvis, Graham Jarvis uh, Manuel Lettenbickler. I mean, all these guys, Taddy Blazuziak, all these guys were former trials champions. All of them are great trials riders. They've focused heavily on their technical ability, uh, not just with balance, but with your throttle and clutch control. It's so huge. So cross training like that for me is very important. I do have a trials bike right now, but I'd love to get a, uh, you know, a real modern one and start, I'm thinking starting competing this year. So just, you know, just an extra step, an extra thing that you can do. And a beauty of a trials bike is, you know, you don't, I don't really have to, I have a decent size backyard too. So I can ride every day. And that's kind of when I'm in the the focus, when I'm training for extreme enduro, when I'm focused a hundred percent, you know, okay, this is my next race. I've got two months to prepare. This is how I'm going to do it. My focus is be on two wheels every day. So no matter what, you know, I'm probably out in the mountains riding four or five times a week. And then on those days I'm not riding, 
I'm, I'm at least putting an hour or two in on the trials bike, you know, sometimes doing two a days. So it's seven days a week, you know, trying to ride as much as possible. And it's good to cross train and uh, develop all, you know, you, you it's all about being a, a good all around rider. Even riding moto is important. You know, everything, getting that uh, aggression on the moto side of things, you know, having, you know, riding moto, riding trials, riding extreme enduro, all of it is very important to be at the highest level. And uh, that's what I'm trying to do. That's so cool. Do you think you'll do? Uh, they've got. They've. It looks like the Sherco trials bikes are all four or all two stroke, which is totally cool. Yep. Do you think you'll do two fifty, three hundred? There's even a one twenty five version here. I, I would probably do yeah two fifty or three hundred. Um, either way, with the one twenty five, man, if I went to a one twenty five, it would be, it'd probably be good for me because. You know, I really yeah yeah energy yeah exactly. You have to wring its neck to get its up into the power to to you know pull you up over some of the technical situations. But uh, man, that seems like a lot of work. Two fifty three hundred. What you gonna go? What what do you think you do? What's the one you have now? Uh, I have a two ninety. Okay. Um. So yeah, I'll probably just do a three hundred. Why not? I've got the two fifty, and it is so completely different than my you know enduro two fifty. Right. Like it has, it has more tractability on that trials bike 250 than any of the 300s I've ever been on as far as like enduro bikes, because it's got such a different flywheel compression is through the roof. Like on that bike, like it's harder to kick a trials bike. Oh, isn't that crazy? Dude. Yeah. They're, they're like, you you know, you said the, um, a big thing about trials, and this is one of those things that transfers into extreme enduro. Everybody says when in doubt throttle out right and and that's the worst saying ever <laughs> specifically for trials i mean extreme enduro too and 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 any enduro riding honestly that's a dumb saying don't don't do that revving tell and, us what we need to do then yeah okay so everybody says ah oh, when it gets technical you know when in doubt throttle out and all you're doing is gassing it you have no momentum and now you're spinning your tire so you're going nowhere trials teaches you how to use the engine's momentum, the flywheel to pull you forward. I actually saw a video of Tony Bow practicing on a new Montessa, you know, one of his four stroke crazy trials bikes. If you see Tony Bow, if you know who he is, he's the greatest trials rider yeah. ever. Um, he had his tire stuffed up against a wall. A stuff is when you, you know, put your tire up against the wall, uh, holding the front and rear brake, and the suspension is compressed, and you're, you know, you're completely balanced straight line up against the wall. He's stuffed up against the wall. He revs the throttle, you know, clutch in, shifts up to second or third, revs the throttle full bore, full red line RPM, then lets the throttle off completely, no throttle. Listening to the RPMs drop, right? So halfway down the RPMs, he he lets go of the clutch. So he's giving it no throttle, completely let off on the throttle. RPMs are dropping halfway down. He slips the clutch and jumps up this box. So he used zero throttle. He used all engine momentum. And zero, zero, like forward momentum. Exactly. Zero forward momentum zero throttle it was all momentum that he built up beforehand with rpm and learning how to do that that's the that's the most extreme version of exactly what i was saying earlier you're loading your engine to pull you through in a technical situation 
in the in the in the depth of the of the technical stuff when you're in the middle of a gnarly rocky uphill if you're over revving you're spinning your tire now on a trials bike you learn how to use all your throttle beforehand and then slip the clutch lug the bike so the rear tire hooks up learning how to get that traction to the rear tire is the way that these top extreme enduro athletes are so dominant the ability Graham's ability to put all his traction to the rear tire all comes from trials riding. That's why he's so good. Wow. And it's just, he's developed it on the extreme enduro machine. He builds his revs before, and then he lugs the bike. He knows how to get that bike down to the bottom end of the power where there's, he's on the edge of killing the engine. That yeah. lug, oh, well, lug, and, lug, lug, and lug, that's, lug. That's, and why, that's, yeah. that's why you're rock hopping looks and sounds so much different than sure and 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 i've got to work on that it's this i don't i don't know where how i'm going to get these types of things but but you if you guys stop and think and start watching some of these hard enduro guys either rich or graham or colton or any of these different people and you watch them hit these really big rock hops yep listen to the way the bike sounds and, and see how much different it sounds than when I hit it or when you hit it, I'm talking to you, the general listener, we, our bikes don't sound like riches when we hit those things. We don't, they don't sound like grams and our bikes don't do the same thing either because we're using too much throttle and too much just engine power to like slam into things. Whereas they're compressing suspension, setting the, setting the front tire down on that rock. But while it's coming down, they're building up yep. all this power in That's the bike with the clutch in and then letting off the throttle and then dumping that power out. And that's, that's awesome. Thank you for bringing, shedding that to, or shedding light on that. Yeah, that's man. What's happening. Absolutely. I mean, I, I actually, so kind of going back to the IRC thing real quick, I, I've been working heavily with IRC. Um, we've been doing a YouTube channel as well, where I'm putting out a lot of tips on tires specifically talking about, you know, how to make your tires last the longest, how to, you know, how to utilize your tire to the highest potential, all of that. But also I've been doing a lot of stuff on teaching. Uh, I've been putting out a lot of videos on, you know, technical situations, learning how to double blip, learning how to static balance, slow wheelie, all of that stuff, how to get unstuck, all kinds of, uh, you know, mistakes that some guys be maybe making, um, and things that you should be learning how to do in extreme enduro. I've been putting out a lot of videos on that type of stuff. So if you go to YouTube and put in IRC moto, I've put a lot of content on specifically technical writing, learning how to do things. And if you watch my double blip video, my double blip video, there's a lot of sound. You can hear how I in a double blip, I'm using the first blip of the throttle to get the front tire in the air. And the second blip is all loading RPM. It's loading that flywheel. It's loading that energy down below to get the bike to hop up and over something. A lot of times with the, in these technical situations, you're going to hear these guys hit these sections really heavy on the bottom of the throttle. In at the bottom of the technical situation, they're really heavy on the throttle. And then when they're at the top in the technical situation, going over the big rock, they're hardly giving it any gas. And there's a reason for that. It's all gaining momentum 
before they're even in the situation. Yeah, that's what I need to be working on. Well, thank you so much for coming, Rich. It's been just an absolute blast having you back on. How do people get in touch with you? I'll put this, I'll link this down in the show notes, but how do people get in touch with you and how does that work best? Yeah, so um, you can, you know, Instagram's always easy. You can just direct message me, uh, Rich Larson 511 That's my Instagram handle. Um, I'm always down to do lessons. If you're in the Utah area, shoot, sometimes I'll even travel Idaho, Nevada, um, definitely. I mean, I'll probably be heading down to St. George here soon just because of this weather that we're having. But uh, yeah, Rich Larson 511. Also, if you want to email me, if you don't have Instagram, uh, it's richlarson511 at gmail.com. Always down to set up lessons. Um, and also, I'm constantly putting out content on YouTube on the IRC Moto YouTube channel. So if you just put in IRC Moto, it'll come up. It's uh, IRC Tire USA. It's the Moto channel on their YouTube. We're, we've been seeing a lot of growth. I'm putting out a lot of videos. And uh, I'd love for you guys to check that out and subscribe as well. So. Yeah, that is some of the best. It's some of the best uh, instructional videos on YouTube, and they don't have nearly enough views because there's a lot of people out there that that need to learn this stuff. I need to learn it. I need to be watching more of it. Um, I need to just subscribe to it. So I'm actually going to hit the subscribe button right now. Beautiful. If you then also you want to make sure that you click the ringing bell icon there so you get notified because subscribing is not enough. You <laughs> have to click the bell and say I want to get notified. Rich is putting out some amazing stuff on here. It's not just tires. Um, so go check that out. And uh, yeah, take a training ride from him. He's a cool guy. He's not going to intimidate you. He's not going to shame you. He's not going to make you feel bad. He's not going He's going to look at the level that you're at, and he's going to say, okay, I'm going to tailor my ride, tailor this day's lesson Absolutely. to this person, which is what makes it so valuable. So that's my plug. Dude, thank you so much, Kyle, for having me on again, man. I It's an honor to be on the channel. Dude, everything you've done, truly, I appreciate it so much. I love the stuff that you're putting out. And again, dude, you're killing the game. I love seeing it. Okay, thanks, guys. Let's leave a single track. <laughs>